You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Our teaching text is from Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 19. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have, been given, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Any copywriters out there? I think we can do better than Women's Fellowship, but it was hard. <laughs> We're like, we can't do women's brunch, uh, but what do we do? Uh, also, happy Lunar New Year to those I haven't gotten to see since the other week. And welcome to February, the shortest but the swaggiest month. Uh, if I haven't, haven't met you, I'm Patrick Boatwright, one of our pastors here. Um, can start with the story. So the other day, my wife is walking with our soon-to-be four-year-old Jane. Someone asked me the other day, he's been three for a while, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, almost a full year. Um, Almost four-year-old James. And and they come across one of our our neighbors who's who's dark-skinned, and he always says hi to James, and James says hi to him. And this time, though, James asked him this question. He goes, are you black? Such an interesting question. We will have a conversation about race in America, but I was hoping I'd have a little bit more time <laughs> before we get into the narratives and implications of, of, of colors and what they mean in this society. Uh, if my wife came home and told me that. I was like, what? He's never heard that from us. But we realized in that moment, like, it was just a stark reminder, oh, yeah, we're not his only teachers. I mean, he's, he's in universal pre-K to the glory of God. Uh, <laughs> so he spends a lot of his days at PS196 with a lot of other people. Actually, he spends most of his time there, uh, all of his days, and we have him on the weekends and some time in the morning and at night. So actually, he's getting a lot of messages from a lot of other places, and we don't know what they are until they express themselves on the sidewalk. And it got me thinking about how many messages that we receive, and who are our teachers, and what are they saying, and what has gotten to our bones. Uh, I was looking up advertising, and the statistics are kind of wonky, but somewhere they say between like four and 10,000 ads is what we see every day. And, I, you know, on a Netflix binge, you can, or a Hulu binge, you can up that. 
But we're getting all of these messages, and what are those messages? There's something like this. Open happiness, because you're worth it. Live in your world, play in ours. Everywhere you want to be, challenge everything, obey your thirst, move to what moves you, your world delivered. Name your own price, Nationwide is on your side. <laughs> Have it your way, you rule. What does all that have to do with us today and these messages that we receive? We're going to get into that. So pin that. We're going to come back. But I just want to remind you where we've been. We are in this series, Conspiratio. It's a Latin phrase. means with spirit, of, of one spirit. And it's this, this concept that arose in the early church who saw themselves uh, not just as some members of some some organization or institution, but they saw themselves literally as belonging of the same substance, the same breath of God binding them together. And so we have been responding through this as what it means for us to be people of the same spirit. What does it mean for us to be unified? And we've been doing that through the lens of Ephesians 4. Uh, you may remember a few weeks ago when I kicked this series off, we talked about Paul's call for the church to be unified people right? And then we moved into from this call to unity, and that's what this whole thing is about. God's calling us together. He's giving us the ministry of reconciling, of, of, of being in union. Well, Ryan took us a step further, and he talked about how this unity is accomplished. Remember that unity is through diversity, each one of us coming into the full display of the Imago Dei, the image of God in you. And that each person is taking their place at the table of God. That unity is about us becoming one, not like uniformity, which is about us becoming the same. And then Gemma took us forward into how unity is cultivated last week. Talking to us about the infancy of life and of faith. And how Paul is telling the church, hey, for unity's sake, you can't be prolonged infants where your survival is dependent upon another feeding you, but you have to mature to have the ability to feed yourselves and eventually even feeding and raising up other newborns in our faith. I, w I just want to put a note there. That, that is not a call to like, you've got to be on a serve team. That's not what Paul is quite saying. It's the idea that like, Catherine and I, as parents, right now, James is incapable of feeding himself. He's more capable than he was three years ago, but he is still growing. And to the glory of a good and faithful God, one day, I will no longer have to prepare his food. Uh, <laughs> and maybe he'll even prepare mine. And maybe he will start the process of feeding and preparing for his own little. That is the call to maturity and faith. And today... We're going to keep going in Ephesians 4 as Paul talks to us about this unity and how it can be undermined. It's not going to be a belabored point, but uh, I think the Lord wants to say a confronting but good word. So let me pray for us, and we're going to keep moving. Holy Spirit, I asked you earlier today, and I ask you again for your holy confrontation because when you confront us, when you show us who we are, when you show us what we really do, when you show us what we believe, well, it can be hard, but it's always loving. It's always inviting. It is always calling us into something we couldn't ask or imagine. And so I pray that that would be 
what happens for us today. So Holy Spirit, we know you are present. We are not content with your presence. We demand your activity. So would you come and move among us and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we come to our teaching text today. This is verse 17 in this chapter. And here Paul is starting with this, this insistence, right? He's like, this is really important. I'm so important, I'm putting the Lord's name on it, right? So he's basically, I'm telling you this on my mama. I'm telling you this on my father. Like, please get this. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So Paul is starting with this call to avoid what undermines unity by making this taxonomy or this distinction between the disciples of Jesus and everyone else, right? Now he uses the phrase Gentiles here, but he's not just talking about those who are not Jewish, right? Because when he's referring to the Gentiles as those who, who are futile in their thinking, he's, he's making the distinction between those who are of the faith, right? The Gentiles, he just told in chapter three or earlier in this letter, that they have been grafted into these people. So it's not, if you're not Jewish, you're kind of crooked, but he's saying, if you are not a disciple and follower of Jesus, if you're living as those who are not walking in the way, there is a futility in the thinking, a darkness in the understanding, a separation from the life of God, and an ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times in a lot of uh, uh, churches, uh, when we talk about this, this kind of taxonomy, the world and us, uh, what can be positioned as uh, what's wrong with them is these are like, these, these demon people, right, that, that are, that are, that are uh, uh, just living to see the world decay. That these people are, are, are people of deep intentions to cause harm and brokenness. But that is actually not the tenor by which Paul is speaking to what is making them broken. What is wrong with the Gentiles isn't that they're not us but rather that they have been steeped in a narrative that has limited their ability to see what is a useful way to live. There's been a delusion. He says the hardening of the hearts. I actually love the King James Version here because it says there's a, there's a blindness of the heart. That word there, porosis, it's a Greek word. It means covering in a callus. Their perception has been dulled. They've been listening to messages that have preached to them a false way. And so while they are moving and acting with intention, and yes, those intentions may be bringing about brokenness, it's because they are ones that have not seen the great light, who have been awakened to the way of the world. And that ignorance, it moves them out of communion with the Spirit. Ryan talked a few weeks ago about the inherent unity of the triune God. And that, as Ryan said, God is inviting his people to come into this dance. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all distinct and full in their own power, and yet they are one thing. Uh, and he is calling us into this dance, this invitation of that communion. And for those who are outside of it, they don't see the necessity for being part of that dance, being part of who God is. That blindness is leading them astray. 
And I'd have you consider this. How do they get so deluded? There's a uh, Greek word, uh, diablos. It it's, uh, appears 38 times in the scripture in the New Testament. Uh, it's typically 35 of those times translated devil, the devil. And then two times it's translated false accuser, and then one time it's translated a slanderer. A slanderer is someone who's spreading libel, a false message against someone. And if we consider that and then consider the story of Scripture, Genesis 3, how all this goes wrong is that a man and a woman are in the fullness of the communion of God. They are one with each other, with God, and with nature. There's a harmony. And then this the slanderer comes and he gives a different message, right? The scriptures say that he meets, he meets the lady by the tree and he tells her, hey, listen, essentially he says, God doesn't want you to eat of this fruit because he wants you to be dependent upon communion. But you can be bad all by yourself. So eat this fruit. Eat this fruit. And so she does because she sees that it is good and desires to make her strong. I, can, I don't need anyone. And this breaks the communion. It breaks the dance of all things. And when you consider that, maybe it makes sense that when we think about the, some of the, the encouragements and the exhortations that Paul has given throughout Scripture, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive all of the messages that are coming in. And we submit them to the truth. In Romans, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is a slanderer and an accuser who has been constantly whispering us messages. And that message is undermining the unity that leads us into the fullness of who God wants us to be. But what is that message? Verse 19, Paul says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Let me read that one more time. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality and to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Paul is saying their highest aims, those who are outside the union of the, of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, those who are walking on their own, their highest aims are their base appetites. They live by what seems good to them and makes them happy. This is the message. It's your world. You rule. So what is good in the world? Well, that what makes you happy. And what's so wrong about that? Some messages you may have received, uh, you know, I did as a kid in, in communities like kind of such as these and 
sitting in chairs, kind of like the ones you're in. Um, there was, there were kind of messages like these where we talked about uh, people who like, you know, live by what makes them happy. But that was always phrased in the sense that people who didn't follow Jesus were like ravaging like, you know, drug heads who like just wanted to like break the world and light things on fire. Like you were either like a Christian, you were like with Jesus, or you were like an anarchist, you know? And the reality is, there are so many people in this world who are not professed followers of Jesus and have committed their lives to see goodness flow and flourish. Who are some of the most kind, who are some of the most sacrificial, who are some of the most listening people you will find. And so then the question becomes, why is it so bad then? Why is Paul calling this out as a destroyer of unity? Great if what makes you really happy is Jesus. What if what really makes me happy is going out and feeding orphans? You're telling me that's a problem? Thinking that what happens there is that we're making it an argument about style. Like the output looks functionally the same. But what the scriptures are declaring is that source and substance matters over style. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, so my wife and I, we got married in New Orleans. Uh, and, uh, man, it was a party. It was so much fun. Um, my dad was supposed to uh, officiate a wedding, and, um, and so I get this, like, text message, like, the day before. It's like, they're, they're coming in. My parents and all my family live in, like, South Carolina. And, uh, and I get this text message from my mom that, that they have decided uh, not to ride separately, but in this trigger warning for anybody who has families that do too much, um, so my family decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rent a party bus and all drive together. Uh. Oh, hold, you got to start. You got, yeah, there's, hold on. There, there's sound. This, this is, this is. Yeah, you didn't hear my aunt there, but she said, Louisiana, here we come. <laughs> now, you know because I'm telling you a story, that's not true. <laughs> so here's, the, here's what happened. My family didn't go to Avis to rent this bus. They went to somebody named Mavis's cousin Richard and got this bus, <laughs> okay? And the thing about the person that owned this bus that rented it to them, they were just starting this hustle, right? And so they got this bus that is diesel power. But when they went to fill it up for my family, they put in petrol, unleaded. Because it's cheaper, y'all. And whereas the diesel novel won't fit in your car, the unleaded novel goes right into a diesel truck. And so they filled this bus full of unleaded gasoline. So you saw the beginning 
what I get is a text message a few, a few, hour, a few hours later, because what has happened is they got like 30 miles down the road, and that party bus became a hell bus. And, and they were on the side of the road, black smoke, didn't know what to do. And so then they had to go back and get their cars and redo this trip over, and eventually they were gonna be too late, and my dad couldn't officiate the wedding anymore. It was a hot mess. Messy families. They're mine, though. I love them. It was a beautiful wedding. Everything worked out. But do you hear what I'm saying? The hose goes into the tank. You're at the gas station. The car starts, and it runs. Functionally, the style is the same. But the source and the substance matters. The source and the substance matters. The scriptures say it this way, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. But why does it lead to death? In verse 17, Paul says that what's going on with these, with these Gentiles, those who are outside of following the way of Jesus, is that they have a futility in their thinking, a futility in their thinking, meaning that it is incapable, incapable of producing something that is truly useful. It works in part, but not in full. So it's futile. See, the gospel of Jesus that is the core of this unity we are being called into, the gospel of Jesus which is fueling this conspiratio, the gospel of Jesus isn't solely about how you act. It's not just trying to make you a person trustworthy enough to rent an apartment to or get married. And it isn't solely about right thinking and the way you see the world. And it isn't solely about being fully secure in your personhood, but it's about all of those things. The gospel of Jesus is holistic. It's not just for your mind, it's not just for your heart, it's not just for your hands, it's bringing them all into concert. It is bringing you into connectedness with oneself. Mind, body, spirit. And then it's also putting you into connection with the world around you, the people around you, the very earth that we inhabit. And most importantly, it's putting you in full connectedness with the God who is your source, the one who created you. And so unity has to start there. That has to be the source and substance of our unity. Because if we become a people who live by what makes us happy, even if what makes us happy is in the form of something good, there is a death because there's a disconnect. Because all these things are interconnected. Have you ever loved your job and been in a bad relationship and start messing up at work? It doesn't stay in its container. Brokenness doesn't just sit over here but it infiltrates. 
And so maybe you know the God of good deeds and you've seen and tasted the fruit of what it means to be sacrificial. And that's really great, but if that's your only God, well, it doesn't, it doesn't serve you when you try to deal with the, the loss and abandonment that you've had in your lifetime. And maybe you've got the God of right thinking. You see like everything correctly, right? Oh, that's all great and good. And yet you walk by all those who could use your help. And all that knowledge is just stored up in your head. Maybe you know the God of identity and you know what it means to be fully in your shoes. You know who you are and you feel good. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But if you know who you are and that can't meet you in the place when others are speaking their, their lies to you or when others are being hurt and you can't be able to, to move into and speak truth to power and to brokenness, then what good is that? We need a full, holistic gospel. So the gospel of Jesus doesn't just, doesn't just lead you into care for others. It doesn't just show you who you are and, and call you into your fullness of being. And it doesn't just give you your mind right, but it puts all those things in concert. And so now when I'm up under it at work, the peace of God that I find when I read the scriptures and I hear his truth where he says, be anxious about nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Make your request known to me. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. It becomes true. It becomes true. Do you hear what I'm saying? Who are you tracking with me? We're wrapping up. We already got there. You see, we don't have to belabor the point. We're moving towards, we are trying to become a reconciling community. I say reconciling because uh, the process of God, the gospel of God is not static. It's not trying to get you to this place where you're like, I'm done. Even in the garden, things were just getting started. There was movement and dynamism. There was, there was evolution to be had, right? And so we are trying to become a reconciling community, one that's, that's in the process of becoming each and every one of us fully integrated, so that we can become fully interdependent. But if we're going to get there, if we're going to start on that journey, if we're going to become more and more of those people, it requires each of us to ask ourselves, what are the messages that I'm listening to? Who are my teachers and what have they taught me? And how am I living that out? Say it another way, who's the God you're serving? And is that God meeting all the places of your life, of your experience, of your being? I can't answer that for you. But that is the work that we're doing here amongst each other, not just in those seats, but when we leave, when we are in communion together. So this is the invitation. I told you, we weren't going to belabor the point. We're there. 
we're, the worship team's going to come back up. We're going we're gonna to start our worship. Here's the invitation for us today. Would you give consideration to your life and the God you're serving? Would you examine your life and what you're building it on? And if you find it lacking, would you consider the invitation of the holistic good news of Jesus that he sends ready to meet you in your personhood, in your connection to this world and around you, in the things that you do and in your relationship with him. There's nothing he doesn't got something to say about. And there's nothing he won't listen to. And so he's standing waiting and willing to hear all the things in your life that need saving. So here's what I'd like to do. Would you just take a moment? Just maybe put both feet on the ground. We're just kind of like, we're going to move into awareness, right? We're going to bring ourselves into this present moment. If you need help doing that, maybe you can just look around and you can just, in your mind, name, name five things you see. Just kind of put yourself here. Okay, I see these lights. I kind of hear, I see these people. All right? What's four things you're touching? All right, I'm touching this floor. I'm here. What's three things that you hear? Our kids up there getting it on. Love it. It's two things you smell. It's one thing you taste. This is just a way we can center ourselves in this present moment. But then when you're here, when you're fully here, would you take that attention and kind of turn inward? And would you just listen? What raises to the surface when you get quiet? Is there a pain in your body? Is there a pain in your mind? Is there a pain in your heart? Is there a pain of a relationship that you're carrying? Is there a pain from your way in this world, your place in this world? This concrete jungle, is it causing pain in you? Is there a pain from God? 
Would you stand? There is a pain coming up for you. The question would be, is your God whatever that God is? Whatever your primary teacher is? Is it speaking to that place? Is it present to that pain? Can it even attune to that pain? If the answer is no, I'm just, we're going to start worshiping here in a second. And I just want to give you an invitation to know a Jesus who wants to be present and attuned to that pain. But he does not force himself. He knocks, but he doesn't open the door. You have to open the door. Maybe today would be the day you'd be willing to open the door. And that can be really scary, but you won't have to do it alone. And so here's what's going to happen in a second. There's going to be spaces where you can come. Particularly if you're responding to this particular invitation, I would just ask you to come right here to this rug here in the front. I know that seems so wild and, and, and just too much. If you need a friend, just like grab the person next to you. Just bring them with you. And then you can act like you're walking with them. Uh, whatever got to, whatever's got to get you here, maybe today's for the invitation, would you just come and just like sit here, kneel here, stand here, somebody's just going to come, and they're just going to pray over you that you would meet Jesus. And then they're just going to make sure before you leave that we just can come alongside you and just like help you, help you see Jesus in that place. Maybe Jesus is attuning to your pain, like he is the Lord of your life. But you also don't have to carry that alone because this is what unity is about. And so on the sides here on these rugs, I'm just going to invite you. You can come and receive prayer and have people just hold that prayer with you before the Lord. So if you want to meet, if you want to receive this invitation for a new God, time to trade in for that new thing, you're going to come right here to the front. If you just want prayer for all the other things of life, there are people here ready to meet you in that. And then for all of us, we're just gonna we're just gonna move ourselves in worship. Responding. Like how do you respond to someone who says I love you? Well, if you love them, then you say I love you back. So that's what we're gonna do. So let me pray and then we'll we'll start moving. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being a God of all the problems. Thank you for being a God who confronts us, not in shame or condemnation, but in love. Give us the confidence to actually believe your love is for us. Amen.